coffee. Cut. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of Convincing Creatives Podcast. I'm Evan Kidd, and today we have Smokehouse Porter with us. Welcome to the show, Smokehouse. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yes, and so we're going to be talking a little bit about Smokehouse's career. He is a blues musician here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Smokehouse, I don't want to give the whole story away, so I'm, I'm going to let you tell it. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, like Evan said, my name is Smokehouse Porter. And I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I am a blues player. Now, a lot of times people ask me about the name Smokehouse. How'd I get it? And a friend of mine played harmonica with me. He's been playing with me for quite a while. His name is Boogie Man Skinner. And he gave me that name because of my size, and he says because of my voice. So hence comes the name Smokehouse Porter. And I feel every blues man has a name that, that is striking and catchy. And do you feel that yours carries that same weight? I think so. I think the name Smokehouse is, I think it's. It's a great name. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think it's, suita, it's suitable for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the Baton Rouge area, you've had several blues artists with different blues names, like Lonesome Sundown, uh, Slim Harpo. Mm-hmm. Oscar Hoppo Davis, and just a, a lot of times blues musicians take on different names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I kind of like the name Smokehouse, so thank you, Boogie Man. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, growing up in Baton Rouge and uh, going through the blues scene here throughout the years, because you've been, how many years have you been playing music? Uh, about 35 years. Now. Okay, mm-hmm. and and I'm sure it's it's changed and ebbed and flowed over the years, and, and can you talk a little bit about um, you know, how it was maybe different when you started versus now and maybe what you've learned in your process and in playing guitar and singing and everything in the blues scene here in Baton Rouge? Well, when I was a kid, uh, I've always been fascinated with music. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was that uh, my mom wanted myself and my sister to learn to play piano. Mm-hmm. But I just never was interested in playing the piano. And... I always wanted to play a guitar, so I never really succeeded in playing a piano. But once I got involved with a guitar, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And as far as the blues, how I kind of come to the blues, I grew up listening to the blues. And a long time ago when I was a kid, I grew up on a dead-end street. And at that time, people used to have church uh, revival Mm -hmm. in the streets. And they had a guy that was a good friend of my dad's, and we uh, called him Uncle, but he was a Baptist minister. And he he had a band, and he would play gospel in the the middle of the street. And people would come out from all over the neighborhood when he was playing. Now, he said he was playing gospel, but I think it sounded like the blues to me. I was young, but I used to see all the women dancing in the street and this and that. And so it just come to me, this is what I want to mm-hmm. do, you know. So I kind of listened to him. And as a matter of fact, he gave me my first guitar. Really? Yeah. Okay. He gave me a, a, an acoustic guitar. 
and my dad painted it black and he painted the well he outlined it in white so it really looked pretty good and he wrote my name on it okay and so from that point on i started hanging out with other guys that were playing blues and i just fell in love with the music Smokehouse, tell us a little bit about uh, what it is about blues music. It has so much character and it has such a rich history. And it's really one of the most American forms of music that there is that was created here. And, and the world loves it and America loves it. And can you talk a little bit about that history and culture and why, you know, you feel honored, I guess, to be a part of it. And, you're, you know, you've contributed to it. Yeah, well, uh, I think what it is, blues... It's been around a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And blues, as my understanding, originated from gospel. Mm -hmm. And it originated from the slaves being out in the field. It's At that point, it was centered around hard times. Mm -hmm. And I guess to take their minds off a lot of hardship, the slaves were singing. And I guess from that point, it just developed into the blues. Now for me, I've heard this basically all my life, and a lot of times people associate blues with uh, hard times and yada, yada, yada. You got the blues, that's the yeah, same. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the same, you got mm -hmm. the blues. And everybody get the blues at one point or another, but blues doesn't necessarily mean in this day and time, hard times, because blues can be uplifting, it can be sad, but you can say the same thing about any music. You can say that about country music. You can say it about opera, jazz. So it doesn't matter. Music is music. But for me, blues, it just kind of stands out because it kind of catches your attention. And if you're passing by and you hear the music, you know that this is something different. Mm -hmm. It's blues. And it's something that you can kind of feel with a feeling. Absolutely. And it's something that I can kind of identify with. Mm -hmm. And uh, to let everyone know, we, we met each other making a film about your story and what y'all went through, you and your wife, Mamie, uh, during the 2016 flood in Baton Rouge. And we ended up making a short documentary about rebuilding your house over about the course of a year and also a new song that y'all wrote about that process. And I know that song is, is about a hard time, but I think that song is also about overcoming a hard time and, and letting it make you a better person because of what you learned and went through. Um, can you talk about, you know, maybe a little bit about that process and how the, the blues can be healing too, I think. Well, let me kind of back up. Mm -hmm. uh, and can I call yeah. names? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Any, <laughs> okay. Anyone you uh, want to talk about? <laughs> well, uh, Clark Jernan, uh, he, uh, he talked to me over the phone. Mm -hmm. The producer this, of the film. The producer mm -hmm. of the film. And he talked to me a couple of days. And to be honest with you, he never told me what he really had in mind. And uh, I was kind of wondering, uh, what is it that he wants? And then finally he mentioned your name and about putting together a documentary mm -hmm. on the blues. And just so happened that my wife and I, Mamie Porter, she's also a blue, a great blues singer, 
Uh, we got caught up in the 2016 flood, and we basically lost everything. And so uh, we got to talking to Clark, and he mentioned you and about a project about uh, a blues uh, blues players and their journey during the flood up until recovery time. And so we feel that we were very, very fortunate in uh, that you guys let us tell our story. And the blues is a big part of our mm -hmm. story because a lot of times when uh, we feeling down, my wife and I, we do the blues. When we doing the blues, it's kind of like everything else is in the background. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the music is very, very uh, therapeutic for mm -hmm. us. We enjoy we enjoy performing, right? And we definitely enjoy just listening to other people perform the blues. We like all genres of music, mm -hmm. but the blues is definitely in our heart. And, that, and the blues is where your heart is. Music blues is mm -hmm. where our hearts are. And and to give people a little more background, the the film is called "We Live the Blues," right? And and that's coming from a quote that you said in the actual film. I don't know if you remember about halfway through the filming process you were in the living room over there yeah and we're in the very house that, that was flooded and now you know it's been built back up and and it's and it's just going through those experiences and coming out stronger and i think just that statement that you made uh we live the blues i mean that was so powerful i remember when i was editing it i had to stop and i was like that i mean that has to be the title because i didn't know what the title would be you know yeah and i guess at the time, I didn't really realize what I was saying. It was just something mm -hmm. that came at the time. Came from the heart. Came from the heart. And actually, we did live the blues because the night of the flood was like a nightmare. Uh, I guess people look at me and I'm a big guy. And I guess they never look at me in the sense that I might be crying. But that day... The day after we actually flooded, I actually shed a lot of tears. My wife and I, when we walked, when we walked from uh, Harold's Fair Road, we walked in about three and a half foot of water. And when I got to my house, I had the blues. When I looked at this house, and we couldn't even get in the house because of all the water. I had the blues, and my wife had the blues at that time. Mm-hmm. And and you. What I what I think is just inspiring on I mean so many levels, but but y'all took the blues and you turned it into music. Can you can you talk about that? Because I feel like if the shoe is on the other foot, a lot of a lot of people might say, I don't have time for the music. I don't have time for this. I got to get my life back together. And and how did you make that time? Because I mean that's very admirable. Well, uh, for me, my wife. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, I mean, the music, the blues is a part of our life. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what the situation is, the music is a part of our life. And the blues is actually what pull us through. Uh, we've seen the bad times. We've seen the good times. When we both were depressed, what, we, what I would do, I would sit down and I'd grab Old Smokey which is my guitar, and I'd sit down there and I'll play. And Mamie, uh, she would write a song, uh, 
Uh, she was uh, singing songs, and it actually brought joy to our life in a time of sadness. So the music really, really helped us. And so it was one day uh, we were talking about the situation, and so she says, I'm going to write a song about the flood, and that's what she did. And I think it's a great song. Mm-hmm. So the, the the music is just a part of, I don't care what happens, the music is in us. And I guess my wife also wrote a song about uh, the blues going to be with her until the day she dies. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way. The blues will be a part of my life until the day I die. And that's and that's almost like a badge of honor. That's what it is, is a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about um, kind of how you how did how does anyone move forward after something like that? Because I can only imagine now you're thinking, well, what's the next plan? What's the next uh, yeah. move for y'all? And, and and to give people some context, Smokehouse and Mamie both they've played you know shows across Louisiana, across the country, and so y- y'all have been playing for many years. And and what lessons have you learned from that? Um, you know, pre flood, after flood. I know. Like, I mean, not many people have a career that, that spans that long. And, and that's that's very admirable. And I mean, as a creative person myself, I look to that and I think, uh, you know, I can only hope that, that mine could do that. And so well, what tips and advice do you have to stay energized and sharp over the years? Well, you know, in order to move forward, mm-hmm. you got to, believe it or not, you got to have a great support system. And Mamie and I, We've always had a great support system with our family, our uh, friends that we consider family, people of the music community, and not necessarily just the blues community, but believe it or not, musicians as a whole stick together. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is a big support system for us. So a lot of times when uh, after we flooded, Mamie and I were feeling down and depressed, uh, somebody would say, look, man, why don't you come out? Why don't you sit in with us? Because at that time, we had basically lost a lot of things, and we lost a lot of equipment, and so we were trying to get the house together, Mm -hmm. and we were spending a lot of time in the house working on the house, and everything was basically kind of like centered around just trying to get the house back together. And we'd have friends that call us and say, look, you know, we got a jam over here. Why don't y'all come over and sit in with us? So that in itself would take our mind off of the problem that we were dealing with. And uh, as far as the future, the blues is going to always be a part of my life. I love it. This is what I do. And I enjoy doing it. When I'm in front of that uh, microphone, I got that guitar in my hand, is I'm like a hog uh, in a slot pen. I love it. You know, I'll tell anybody I love it. <laughs> You're in your element. I'm in my element. I'm in my zone right there. And why is that important for, for artists in general to be in that moment? Well, I think it's just like anything else if you got a job and you love your job you're gonna perform well Mm -hmm. with it and the blues for me i love it so much if only one person out there when i'm playing music 
if there's only one person in that place that enjoy what I do, it's on. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's mm-hmm. worth it, you know. And I don't care what the situation is. You're going to always have people that like what you do, and you're going to have people that don't like what you do. But that cannot deter you from doing what you enjoy doing. And this is what I and my wife, Mamie, we enjoy doing the music. And, you know, for the people that like what we do, hey, it's on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of the secret recipe to longevity? Because, you know, I'm curious, you know, as, as a younger artist, you know, I know other people watching this may just be getting started with, you know, whatever they're doing. Because we've got creative people, musicians, artists, filmmakers watching this. Uh, what would you say just to keep them motivated? Well, as far as longevity, I think you got to be persistent. Mm. You know, you got to uh, you got to say, this is what I want to do. And you got to work on doing it. You know, when you first start it, it may not be at the level that you want it to be. But it, as time goes on, if you continue to do it, it's going to get better. And the key to it is you got to be determined and you got to keep on doing it. You're going to always have people that say, well, you know, maybe you need to choose something else to do. But the bottom line is if that's what you enjoy doing, Mm. you got to do what's best for you. But then you're going to find that one person that say, you know what, I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And if I got that one person that says, (laughs) you know, I kind of like that, I'm all right. I'm a happy camper. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier about. Um, you know, if you play to a crowd and there's only one person, but yeah. they're they're dancing and they're having the best time, absolutely. You know, and that that moment is worth it. And I mean, it's I, worth it. I, I've done film screenings where you know I've had one two people, and I sit oh, yeah. there and I'm wondering, man, does anyone is anyone just interested? And then you have other ones where you need to get a packed house, and so it's yeah. it's about the people that you do it for. I read the thing about Stevie Ray Vaughan. And as great as Stevie Ray Vaughan was, uh, I saw, I read somewhere where it was a time in his life where he was basically playing in front of a a bunch of chairs. Mm -hmm. But he was not deterred by that. He knew better days were coming. Mm -hmm. And he stuck with it. This is what he wanted to do. And he stuck with it. And my wife and I, we feel that same way. You know, uh, this is what we love. We right. love the blues, and we're going to stick with it. And how do you how do you find that, you know, music's always going to change and things are always going to come and go? How, how do you make sure blues music stays at the forefront of people's minds? Because it, it has such an impactful message, and I think that if more people would, would research and kind of see what's in the, you know, history books that they would find so much that it could say and speak to. And even today, cause there's people that still do it, but they may not be, you know, the people on the radio or, you know, this and that. Yeah. Well, um, music is to me, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a fad. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, the blues is here, and it's mm-hmm. here to stay, like little Milton Campbell says. But uh, it's a period in time where blues was everybody wanted to hear, it. and then there's a period 
where nobody wants to hear the blues. Everybody wants to hear something else. But I think that with people like myself, my wife, other blues artists, if we keep doing what we're doing to keep the blues alive, that generation is coming again where you got, uh, you're going to have people that'll be gravitating more toward the blues. Again. Mm. The blues actually tells a story, and it's the blues is here to stay. It's some good music. Mm-hmm. And tell, let's talk about that storytelling, because I think that is, that's like the special sauce of really anything in the art world and music world, is, is what, what do you have to say for that audience? And so how do you, how do you know when you've got a good story? Uh, it's kind of like uh, if I, um, my wife and I, we write quite mm-hmm. a few songs. And we, uh, whenever we're doing a performance, uh, we try to do some original songs. And if I'm doing a song, I might not tell the audience right then that that's an original song, but I kind of wait to see their reaction. And uh, if I'm doing an original song and I see people kind of feeling it, kind of mm-hmm. into it, then I know that I might be on to something. Right. And then I'll probably at the end of that song say, well, this is an original song. Mm-hmm. Now, if I don't get any feedback from the audience, I might keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but uh, if uh, if I think people kind of enjoy mm-hmm. what I'm, uh, that song, then I'll make it known that's an original song. I remember one time I was uh, at a. You might not look. You might look at me and say he don't go to the gym, but I do go to the gym every now and then. But anyway, I was at the gym one day, my wife and I, and uh, this guy passed by me, and uh, he was singing this song. And so I looked at him, and he went by me, and he started laughing. And I was thinking, where in the world you heard that song at? That's my song. No way. Yeah. And so he turned around, and he come back, (laughs) and he said, Smokehouse, he said, you know what? He said, you don't know me. He said, but I was in the club the other night, and I heard this song that you were doing. And he said, stuck with me. And it really made me feel good, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many other people that song stuck with, but just for him to come up and let me know that he really enjoyed that song. Man, I was walking around like a rooster. My chest was all stuck out. I was feeling good. I felt really, really proud. And I didn't even know, I didn't recognize him from Adam, mm-hmm. but... He just walked past me singing this song, and then he turned around and came back and told me who he was and that he really enjoyed the song. And he got that message that he you were trying to message. convey. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the best feeling as an artist when you make it something. Because, you know, not to say we all do this for validation because, you know, we do it because we love it, but I think there's an element to you want to see, you know, is the person receptive to it? Cause Absolutely. It, you know, you can't have a conversation with a brick wall. You want <laughs> right. a little bit of back and right. forth, you know? And, and it's not just blues, but mm-hmm. any form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. If you got people that's showing you right. by uh, clapping, uh, 
whistling. Uh, Showing love. That's, that's right. It makes you feel mm-hmm. good, you know. Now, if you're performing and everybody kind of looking at you like, right. what's he doing here? You're thinking, man, you know, it's time to leave. Mm-hmm. And I've been in that situation too now. Everyone has. Yeah, when, you, so. when you do this, right. <laughs> yeah. that, that's like the test. That's oh, the that's trial the, by that's fire. You know? But you know, if yeah. you love what you're doing, no matter what these people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you think that they think it, you got to follow through. You right. got to continue. What you got to do is you got to suck it up and you got to say, you know what? I got to reach these people some kind of way. And you got to try to do, add something to your performance to kind of reach out and touch them. And, and do you think now uh, people, you know, everyone used to need a record label to get their message across so they used to need you know expensive studio time and all this and that um i mean now it's like we're recording this we were just talking about this before we had the cameras rolling you know the whole camera setup fits in a bag and i mean technology is making music and film and art more accessible than ever um do you feel like that's a good thing and that's you know able to get more messages across or do you feel like it's tricky because it maybe puts too much out there in a way well I think that uh, I think it's great. Yeah, I think that a a lot now, a lot of artists now are actually producing and right and doing their own thing. I mean, you got guys now that's able to do uh, a recording in their home. Mm. So what they're doing is they actually kind of eliminating the the middleman or whatever. So I think it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you uh, can buy the equipment and you can do it yourself, I think it's I think it's really really great. Uh, that's modern technology because at one time you had to go through a major studio and you had to uh, pay for studio time and this and that. But now, if you invest some money, you can have a studio at your home. And a lot of not only. Uh, not so well-known artists, but a lot of your major artists, that's what they're doing now. They they, they take actually, the control. Right. They're mm-hmm. taking control, and they're actually producing their own music. Yeah. And I think that's great because they have that creative, you know, drive and right. ownership that maybe if, a, if right. a label was there, they'd say, you know, I like song A, B, and C, but song D, we need to get rid of that. Absolutely. And maybe song D's the best one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when you able to do it yourself mm-hmm. you're doing it the way you want it to do to be yeah. done and then you're getting full credit because uh nothing against the the the, the uh, the labels but a lot of times the uh the owner of that label actually controlling everything for years for years mm-hmm. yeah for years and yeah. a long time ago uh the labels were basically controlling the artists and the music. And what was happening a long time ago, the label was making all the money. And the artists was getting breadcrumbs. Getting mm-hmm. the were getting uh breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times what would happen is if an artist complained a lot, the label made so much money instead of paying him in money, they buy him a car, and and you supposed to be happy with a car. A right. car, I mean, that you, you know, didn't pick up <laughs> every day. That car is depreciated. Right. Yeah. So right. you know, you want to be able to control your own destiny, and you want to be able to have control over your own music. I know, Mame and I. That's what we we got our own little label. So you know, uh, 
and mm-hmm. we happy with it, you mm-hmm. know. I'd like to make a million bucks, but, mm-hmm. you know, eventually it might come, but not today. Yeah, yeah. And and so, Smokehouse, what is the single biggest thing that you think clicks in your mind when you truly make that decision to say, I'm going to be Smokehouse the blues man, Smokehouse the artist? Because, I mean, I think every artist when they start wrestles with it, you know, is this going to stick? Is this going to take off? Am I going to be, you know, an accountant in 10 years or something, you know, if it doesn't work out, how how do you make that moment where you say, this is, this is my leap of faith? Well, foremost, Mm -hmm. I think everybody's got to make the decision as in my case, I had a family. So a lot of times I would be out playing music. I also had a job. And much as I love the music, uh, I had to think about my family. Right. And a lot of guys choose to try to make try to make it by doing the music on a full time basis. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when you do that, you're losing something. You're losing a whole lot. You got to think about your family. Mm-hmm. And if you're not selling thousands of records or whatever, you need to be on a job. Mm-hmm. And there was a many nights I would be out there with the guys and everybody was saying, well, man, you know, we're going to party all night. And I had to go to work. So mm-hmm. I stayed on a job. I stayed on a job because I had bills to pay. Right. And I had a family to support. And as much as I love the music, I had to put my job above what I really, really, truly love doing on a daily basis. But I was able to retire from a job. I was able to save a few pennies. So now music is job one. Music is job one because I'm retired and I got all the time in the world that I need to devote to that music. And I love doing it. But I'd say to any young person, unless you're Michael Jackson or somebody, I would not give up the day job just yet. Mm-hmm. I would stay in school. I would stay on a job. And especially if you got a family, if you don't have a family, when you eat, your whole family then ate. Yeah. Yeah. But if you got a family, you got to support a family. And if you're just getting into music, you could be in music 20 years and still not make the money that you think that you should be making. Right. So my advice would be don't give up the music. I would go out there and I'd play music to 2 o'clock in the morning. Right. But guess what? I had to be to work at 530. And you made it work. I made it work. I was going to go to work. I wasn't going to take off. And it was a lot of days, man. I just loved that music so much. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I had to pull away from it at the time to go and be on a eight or 12 hour day job. And sometimes it takes that discipline to actually make your work and your art better because you can, you know, sustain yourself to actually make it because, you know, no one's making art when they can't afford a sandwich. I mean, absolutely. And, and that's, that's the hard truth. That's the hard truth. That's the hard. So it's a, it's a decision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
at one at some point or another we all got decisions to make and what we want to do we can't base a decision just necessarily on myself right i enjoyed a good time i like the party just as well as everybody else but if you got a family to support you gotta you know you gotta give that some thought and if the music is actually making enough money for you to keep the lights on and and i love what you said about um diving kind of deep and thinking about you know the fact that you do have a family and you have to think about more than just your own definition of happiness because you know you have others that you're thinking about right and you're also thinking about your art and your craft and what you're doing and you're finding a way to balance that and i think that's what that's what i love about this show is that i want to talk to people about kind of the the hard truth and you know the the things that people kind of gloss over and i think that's important because then you can take your income and reinvest it in yourself and your family and your art and you can find a balance and find something that's going to work for you because i think that's that's not said enough no, and uh, that old saying is true. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. So, you know, no matter how much you love the music, right. if you're not actually making money doing it, you need to consider doing something else. You know, you got to get on a day job or whatever to make ends meet. And you can, that doesn't mean that you have to give up the music. That doesn't mean that at all because I, the way I look at it, I'll never give up the music. But I did what I had to do to support a family. And it, life is, is more than just having a good time. When I was out there, I was out there having a great time and everybody's out there at two and three o'clock in the morning. But I also knew that I had a job that I had to go to. And I've never missed a day of work to play music as much as I love music. But I knew that my daytime job was paying the bills. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I I stayed on the job. And how did that discipline make you a better artist? Well, I know about hard times. I've, I've seen hard times. I've been through hard times. And just... you. Being in music, you got to show some kind of discipline. Right. You got to make, everybody's got choices to make. And what you got to do, you got to make the best choice for you. And not only for you, but for your family. Because even just being in music, you know, you got a family to, you got to, you got to, you got to think of, uh, consider that family. You know, you got to do what's not only best for you, but for them too. And, you know, you're going out there, you're playing gigs and not really making any money. If that's not putting bread on the table, that's no good. You need to look somewhere else. And I figure that I love music just as well, um, uh, even more so than the average person. But I had to put that, make that second to my day job. And how do you say... Um, kind of going forward with, with life and planning and things like that. Um, how do you decide that, that music is the best place for you to be now? Well, for me right now, uh, I've done my 30 plus years on a job. And right now I'm able to pay the light bill. I still got a roof over my head. So if I go out there and I don't make a dime playing music, 
I'll still have my lights on and I'll still have a roof over my head. And that's the secret. That's the secret. And I mentioned earlier that my wife had a song that says that she'll have the blues until the day she dies. And I figured that same thing. I'm going to have these blues to the day I die. When I'm on my deathbed, I'll probably be singing the blues then. I love it. Because you're committed. I'm committed. And uh, if you look back and you're talking to Young Smokehouse, first picking up the guitar, what would you say to him from where you sit now in terms of advice? Uh, If I was looking back at the Young Smokehouse, I think I'd tell old Smokehouse then that continue to do what you're doing, but you got to stay focused. You know, you, life is more than just having a good time, and and uh, you just got to stay focused. And you know, and if you hang in the game long enough, you may not be getting any recognition right then, but eventually, all that's gonna come. Because people uh, make the uh, determination that you are dedicated. And myself and my wife, we dedicated to this music. We both love it. You know, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about playing that long game? Because I feel like in a weird way, art and making music and creativity, it's all connected. Because I think in a way, it's who's going to stay on the floor the longest. Who's going to, you know, remain on the court, you know, who, cause I feel like people drop off, you know, five, 10 years go by, it didn't work out. I'm going to go do something else. You know, how do you keep that, that mindset of just going for it? Well, you know, a lot of times people look at artists, entertainers, and they, they, they think that it's a good life. And I think it, most people at one time or another, want to either be an actress, an actor, a musician, uh, whatever. And they'll kind of lean toward that direction. And then they'll find out this is harder than what I thought it was. So then you have people dropping off. Uh, I've had some people I know, and uh, they look at entertainers as living this great life, and they want to be a part of that. And I've had friends of mine that say, you know what, I want to learn to play a guitar. And my advice to them is, that's fine. And they said, well, look, will you go with me to a music store uh, to buy a guitar? I said, yeah, I'll do that. But I also tell them, don't go to the music store and spend a whole lot of money because they're thinking that, Six months or so, they're going to be out there jamming and doing this and that. It's a whole lot harder than what you think. So my advice to them is don't go and spend a whole lot of money on a guitar. You can buy you a nice little guitar at a pawn shop or whatever because in the next six months, you might not even pick that guitar up and you mm-hmm. lost a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. But now for the people, I think anybody can learn to play music. But then I think you got those people that was just born to do this. And for those people like that, it's in them and they already know this is what I really want to do. It's not because I see somebody else out there doing Mm -hmm. it. I was born to do this. And they just got to connect the dots. And they just got to connect the dots. Right. Right. 
so kind of to to wrap things up smokehouse what what is a great story you could tell me about maybe a defining moment in your career i know you've you've played all over um you know you've shared the stage with some incredible musicians do you have any one concert or gig that really you know shaped you into smokehouse the artist or was it really just the culmination of everything i think i think it's a combination of uh uh a lot of different mm-hmm. things uh one of the things is that uh when i knew that this is what i really wanted to do i started hanging out with guys that played blues and I took a little bit from each one of those guys and I changed it into the smokehouse thing. Mm. You know, uh, a good friend of mine, Arthur Guitar Kelly, uh, he was like a mentor to me. Also, Rock and Dabby Thomas, these guys were mentors to me. And I took a little bit from them, from each one of those guys. And there were a lot of other guys like uh, T-Bone Singleton, Mm. Patrick Williams. I just took a little bit from each one of them and I formed the Smokehouse thing. And I think about all these guys that I just mentioned and a lot of other guys that I learned from, a lot of them are gone. Mm. But I think that every time I play, a little bit of them come out too. So I guess in other words, you can learn something from everybody, you know. And I just feel proud to say that I knew these guys and and they were friends of mine. And uh, 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 I just enjoy being in their company. Mm-hmm. So the final question I always ask for the show, and it's the same for every guest, is is what what is something that that you are maybe trying to do or struggling with creatively, and how do you think you can overcome it? Or you know, it could be general, it could be specific. What what is something you want to improve on as an artist? Because I feel like the show's about being transparent, and I'll answer this too. Because for me, it's always tricky to find motivation and sometimes I think I have to have motivation motivation just hit me like a lightning bolt and sometimes I realize that may not happen for months I really just got to sit down and do the work and write a song or write a script or paint a picture and and I think that's something that I'm always trying to find the the motivation but sometimes I think I need to create the motivation and that's a good point and uh a lot of times uh i, I want to write a song and i don't know where to start and the thing of it is a lot of times you can get ideals from just things around you something might hit you for a good hook for a song and a lot of times i have to ask my wife because she's pretty good with coming up with hooks for songs but I guess the thing of it is, is that if you really love what you're doing, you just got to stay focused. And I talked to other blues guys and, and I'm constantly trying to just pick up things. And uh, as far as songwriting, I love doing it, but it's not that easy coming up with a good song. 
it's not that easy at all. It's just like it's not that easy uh, for the average person to pick up an instrument. It takes time, but you got to be willing to put in the time. You know, uh, it's not going to happen over overnight. You got to be willing to just wait and uh, continue to just develop yourself. You know, uh, yeah, you got to you got to uh, talk to people and get ideals and you just gotta you gotta uh put yourself out there you know you gotta be willing to listen to good advice you know a lot of times older blues players were you know they gave me a lot of different advice on different things that i needed to do and i tried to learn from each one of them you know uh uh i think that they've been out they were out there a whole lot longer than i was and I just enjoyed being in that company. And a lot of the older players, I had a lot of respect for them. And, you know, the things that they told me, it stuck with me. And uh, I try to use it in my approach to the music. And it, I, I can only relate because, I mean, it was like that with film. And, I mean, I, I started playing drums before I did film. And I remember when I first started playing drums, there was a moment where, you know, after, you know, the first little bit, it felt like it was hard, it was hard, it was hard, and then it was really hard. And then there was that point where I just wanted to stop. And I said, this is too difficult. This is something I don't know if I can do it. But it was just sitting down and, and fighting through it and, and really practicing that got me over that hump. And now I look back and I think, I'm so glad I didn't give up on that because then I would have never played. That's the key. You got mm. to be determined. You, you just you can't give up, you know, uh, uh I mentioned before, a lot of times people think playing music is easy. Mm -hmm. They think it's glamorous. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to work your way to that point. Right. You know, it's not going to happen overnight, but you got to be determined. Uh, when I started learning to play the guitar, uh, many days I, I wanted to put it down. And, uh, but I knew this is what I wanted to do. Right. And so I wasn't going to give up. You know, I just made up in my mind, okay, this is what I want to do. When I started singing, people actually were laughing, you know, I'm not the greatest singer right now, you know, but people, you probably still got people laughing, but you know, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And you, you know? have a message. You got, I got something a message. to say. Yeah, you and know, that's what's awesome. If they stay yeah. in that room, they're going to hear my message. Now, if they, <laughs> you know, if they don't want to hear my message. They might want to get up and leave, but the old smokehouse in the room, and he going to say what he got to say over that mic. I love it. Hey, thank you, Smokehouse. Thank I you, appreciate Evan, for it. having thank me. You. Thank you so much. Thank y'all. And Smokehouse, where can people find you and Mamie if they want to look it up? Uh, you can. They got some stuff on, I guess, YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, myself and Mamie, and uh, locally on Facebook and Instagram too. Instagram, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And if y'all Google it, I think it should come yeah, up. Yeah, it'll, so. it'll come. And up. I'll put some links down below so yeah. people can check out y'all's yeah. work because y'all have some great work, and I want people to see it. <laughs> well, <So>. thank you. <laughs> Thanks again, Smokehead. Thanks for having me. Awesome. That's it.